questions. And these questions constitute a formula for getting the complete story on a subject. So if you want to know something about someone, about something, you're going to ask these questions. And we want to ask those questions this evening about Jesus. And according to the principle of the five W's, a report can only be considered complete if it answers these questions, starting with an interrogative word. And so the questions we want to consider over these few weeks, they're going to relate to Jesus, but they're also going to relate to us, to me and to you. And my hope is that the questions will help us come to a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and his relationship to us and how we fit into that picture. And so last week, we asked the question, who do you say Jesus is? Um, if you want to catch up, I think it has been uploaded onto the church's website, so you can find that sermon there if you want to catch up with that. Um, but this evening, we want to ask the question, what did Jesus come to do? And by extension, we'll touch on also, what does that have to do with me, and what does that have to do with you? Now, before we go to the scriptures, um, what I'd like to start us off again um, this week is to consider what our own thoughts are about that question, what did Jesus come to do? Um, and so what I would like for us to do is for you to shout out some of those suggestions. So we want to try to make this as interactive as we can. And so, Yenis, you can go to the next slide. And so what Yenis is going to do is, as someone suggests what you think Jesus came to do, Yenis is going to put it up there. Um, <laughs> okay. So last week we tried it. It worked kind of okay. Um, the spelling was iffy. Uh, um, but we'll, we'll see how we go. So what do people say that Jesus came to do? And we include in that, what do believers say? And what do people who don't believe say? What do non-worshippers say about what Jesus came to do? What do you think? Change the world. Bring the kingdom of God. He reconciled the lost to God. He came to make cupboards. <laughs> he was a carpenter. What else? What do you think? What did Jesus come to do? What do people say? He came to save sinners. He came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to love the unlovable. Turn the world right side up. To bridge the gap between people and God. Where are we at? Are we kind of, are we running out of it? <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> he came to show grace and mercy. If you're going to say something that someone has said already, then your innocence is just going to give us a thumbs up and not put it up. To obey the will of God. Okay, was there one more? Yeah, Mike? To liberate Israel. To die for our sins. Okay, 
We're, gonna, we're running out of space. Joanna's getting cramps in his fingers, trying to keep up. Was there one more, Andrew, did you mention? He came for the sick and not the healthy. Okay. That's a good list. There's going to be a lot of overlap, so I'm probably going to say a lot of that as well, which is good. Um, so let's have a look at that list. And those are some really good theological reasons. And, and, and it also reveals that we don't really hang around a lot with people who, who might say um, other things that might relate to cupboards or, or, or similar things. Or wine. <laughs> good one, Eddie. So, so what did Jesus come to do? Um, he came to be awesome. He came to change the world. <laughs> he came to bring the kingdom of God. He came to reconcile the lost to God. He came to make all the cupboards. He came to save sinners. He came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to love the unlovable, turn the world right side up, bridge the gap between people and God, to fulfill the law, came to show grace and mercy, obey the Father's will, liberate Israel, die for sins, turn water into wine as well. Okay, that's a really good list. Um, I feel encouraged. Um, now I want to take a, a little bit of a different angle as we consider the next question. Um, and I want to ask, what didn't Jesus come to do? What didn't Jesus come to teach or to say? Because we know that there are some people who have really high expectations of Jesus that don't maybe line up with the real reasons of why he actually came. And I want to hear from you guys what some of those might be. What didn't Jesus come to do? Not to compromise. He didn't come to conform to people's expectations. Be a political leader. He didn't come to physically conquer. Mike? Okay, say that louder, Emmy. Um, he didn't come to pad the egos of leaders. He didn't come to bring peace. Okay, that was mentioned. Good one, though. Were there any others? Didn't come to glorify man, came to glorify the Father. He didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. Okay. Those are some really good ones. Adam? You got that? Cool. Uranus has got that. Okay. So are we... Yeah, we're kind of coming in for a landing there with that question. Awesome. So it's, 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 it's helpful that we have an idea or ideas of why Jesus didn't come. Because I, I, I think that there is in the world at the moment people who have unmet expectations because they have unreal expectations of what they believe God should have come to do. Um, and so there's a... There's almost a reality check when we take stock of that, why didn't Jesus come? And there are more. Um, I found some others, um, some, <laughs> some other reasons of why Jesus didn't come, okay? 
So Jesus didn't come, um, and he didn't say, at least, he didn't say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. Um, Jesus didn't say, I can't heal you, there's too much sin in your life. Never said that. Um, He didn't say, you're perfect just the way that you are. He didn't say, follow me and I will give you the desires of your heart. Never said that. Um, He also didn't say, let the children come to me. Unless they're crying during my sermons, then give their parents the stink eye. Never said that. He loved children. And then I've received this one on the bottom there quite often, um, which says there, Peter, do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Well, then share that Facebook post. <laughs> you know? Those are some things that Jesus did not say. <laughs> okay, so there are varying ideas regarding what Jesus came to do and what he taught and while he walked the earth. But I want to have a look at the things that Jesus himself said that he would come to do. And thankfully, a lot of that has already been mentioned, so I'm going to go through it um, fairly quickly. Um, let's see how we go. Um, and there's a, there's a scripture attached to it that I'll read very quickly as we go as well. The first reason, Jesus came to fulfill the law. This is what Matthew 5:17 says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Second one, Jesus came to divide. Luke 12, verse 51 says, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Number three, Jesus came to call sinners. Mark chapter 2 and verse 17 says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. um, He came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Luke chapter 5 and verse 32 echoes that. Number four, Jesus came to serve and give his life. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Number five, Jesus came to proclaim good news. A very famous verse from Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus' words, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love that one. Number six, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19 and verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Number seven, Jesus came that the world might be saved. John 3 verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
Number eight. Jesus came to do his Father's will to keep, save, and resurrect believers. John 6, verse 38 to 40. I'll read verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then the ninth reason Jesus came, Jesus came for judgment. John 9 verse 39 says, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Number 10, Jesus came to give abundant life. John 10, 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Number 11, Jesus came so believers may not remain in darkness. Very well known, John 12 verse 46 says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And then number 12, Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. John 18 verse 37 says, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. So those were 12 reasons there of why Jesus came. And, and that list of 12 contains every reason that Jesus himself gave. Those were his words as to why he came to earth that we see in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So those are all the, all the times when Jesus said, this is why I came. And each one of those reasons that Jesus gives there as to why he came gives us loads of, of life-giving truth. Life-giving truth is packed into Jesus' promises to us there. Now, this evening, we don't have time to unpack all of that. Um, but it is important for us, as we consider that question, what did Jesus come to do? And by extension, what does that have to do with me? Now, I want to try and for the next few minutes to try and summarize some of it, not all of it. So I'm going to come short. Um, some of the essence of what is communicated in some of those texts. And some of us have mentioned it already, but it is valuable enough for us to hear it again. And so what I want to do is I want to take four summarized reasons related to what Jesus came to do. And the first one is this, he came to reveal the Father. Now, in looking at creation, today was a really beautiful day. It was liquor hot. Um, yesterday as well, I hope some of you got to go to the beach or to get to a large body of water and wet yourself. But when we look at creation, without even consulting the Bible, we learn something about the Creator, such as He's a being not like us. When we consider creation, we recognize that 
the one who created this doesn't think like I think. Secondly, he is a God of order and a God of beauty. We recognize that when we look at creation. Thirdly, he's a God of beginnings and endings. And then also, he is a very personal God. There seem to be in creation personal touches. The kind of thing that I wouldn't think of, which reveals to me that he's not just this mechanical creator. And so creation reveals something to us about the Father. And then there's also the recorded accounts, scripture, manuscripts, the Bible, witness accounts of who Yahweh is. The Holy Scriptures are helpful in revealing God to us as well. And so we have what we call general revelation and we have particular revelation. But I can't help but think, we still come away with that question, what is God really like? You know, we've got evidence, but I think to myself, what, what is it going to be like when I'm in his physical presence? What is that going to be like? You know, in the Old Testament, we are introduced to God as Yahweh, and he begins to reveal himself as the creator, as the lawgiver, as the judge and the redeemer of his people. And then in the New Testament, Jesus comes, and Jesus revealed God in a way that I believe really caught our attention. Um, Without Jesus coming, we would not be able to physically see God and to know him personally. Um, John chapter 1 and verse 18 says there, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Without Jesus, we may have doubt about God's love. We'll read about it in the scripture. We might feel that God's love is reflected in creation, but we might have doubt about that. But in the works that he did and the death that he died, Jesus revealed God's love in the flesh. You could see it. And witness accounts are what make up the Gospels for us. Without Jesus, we would question God's goodness and his care, But Jesus revealed God's knowledge of our needs and his desire to meet them. Without Jesus, we might consider God unfair. If all that we read was Leviticus or Numbers, we might come away thinking, this God, this Yahweh, he's an unfair God. But in his incarnations, in his interaction with people of all backgrounds, Jesus revealed God's impartiality. You know, as I think about that idea, it it makes me think of how many people are today are meeting potential romantic partners online. People meeting each other online. Um, And I know none of us here would ever do anything like that. 
You know, you, you, you see a picture, you talk on a video call, I'm just joking, um, you read messages, but you never really know them until you meet them in person, until you meet them in the flesh. Are you, are you guys familiar with that, with that term, catfishing? Have you heard it before? I see lots of smiles in the back there. Um, if you don't know what catfishing is, catfishing refers to the, the creation of a fictitious online persona or fake identity, typically on social networking platforms with the intent of deception, usually to mislead a victim into an online romantic relationship or to commit financial fraud. Perpetrators, usually referred to as catfish, generally use fake photos and lie about their personal lives to present themselves as more attractive for financial gain, personal satisfaction, evasion of legal consequences, or to troll. <laughs> That's what catfishing is. You can make some uh, calculations in your mind. Yeah, you know what? There are, in this world that we live in, there are spiritual forces that are at work catfishing people. Telling people lies and creating false personas and then making people believe false expectations of who they are and who those people might be able to become if they were to have a relationship with them. Jesus came to show us that God the Father is who he said he is. And he is actually able to do what he says he's able to do. Jesus spoke God's words, he thought God's thoughts, he felt and expressed God's emotions, and he did God's works. And God the Father sent Jesus into the world to reveal himself to us in the flesh. And so he is not some fake persona. He is not someone who makes promises that he cannot keep. He's not someone who presents to you this image of this perfect God, and when you actually have this relationship, it turns out to be fake. That's not who Jesus is. Having a relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not going to lead you to get catfished. That's not what he's about. And let me tell you while we are talking about this, watch out that you don't get catfished by the attractiveness and the lies of the world that we live in because you will not find rest. Secondly, he came to do away with sin. Hebrews 9.26 says, He has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
Now, this is a part of the message of the gospel that shows us how seriously God takes the issue of justice. It is very important to him. In the Old Testament, we are introduced to this idea of an animal sacrifice being enough to take care of your sins for a while. And there are many chapters in the Old Testament that introduce us to this idea of animal sacrifices being able to do away with sin for a while. But the sacrifices of the old Levitical system, they were insufficient. They could only cover it up. doesn't take it away completely. But Jesus came and he offered the perfect sacrifice once and for all. And with the shedding of his blood on the cross, never again would animals need to die as our substitute? When God sent Jesus into the world, the Son of God took on human flesh and provided a better sacrifice for sin and a better covenant with God's people. I was reading an article um, two weeks back about some of the things that's happening in Jerusalem, and there was a link to another article that showed that the Jews are actually preparing themselves now to sacrifice these red heifers. And in the Jewish tradition and in the Jewish religion and how they understand Yahweh, it is their understanding that the sacrifice of these red heifers will cover the sin and of the people and prepare them for the coming of the Messiah. You know, it seems like they, they've missed the boat. They've missed the boat. You know, God sent Jesus not to deny the seriousness of sin or to help us forget about our sins. That's not why he sent him. Denials and cover-ups are not part of his purpose. God wanted to do away with sin once and for all in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, God forgave sin and he released us from the penalty. And so through faith in Jesus, we have full and complete deliverance from guilt. And not only that, but we have deliverance from the hold of sin itself, true salvation, real, and real peace through him. Our religious actions or doing loads and loads of good deeds cannot put away sin. Neither can practicing self-denial or holy living in our own eyes, not even our own death, can get rid of sin. Even if I take my life tonight, it won't do away with sin. Sin is a blot on our soul, a stain that you can't wash out. It is only the blood of Christ that is able to remove that stain of sin. Thirdly, 
to destroy the works of the devil. Thankfully, someone mentioned that one. Um, last night, we were visiting with friends, and somehow the conversation got to, is Kippy here? Kippy's not here. So, so the Mibays, um, the Mibay family, they went to Kenya. They're originally from Kenya. And they got to go on holiday to Mombasa. And um, they were telling us they stayed at this re resort. Now, Mombasa is right on the coastline, on the east coast. And so the beaches were, were right there. And they were, on the, the second day they were there, they were enjoying the beach. They were in the water. And then six o'clock rolls around, and all of a sudden, was it sirens, did they say? Sirens go off, and the um, security start moving down the beach, and they start telling people to come out of the water and to vacate the area. I was, why are they doing that? And there's actually a belief that if you swim along that stretch of beach at night, there are dark forces that pull you under the water. People believe that for real. I mean, they just got back, was it a few weeks back, and they had this experience of the evil one, essentially. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. You know, we live at a time where people have a suspicion of claims about the spiritual realm in our materialistic culture. In our culture, we write off anything that cannot be proven with tangible evidence. We've got that saying now that says, you've got to say, well, show me a picture, else it didn't happen. You know? We're there now. We struggle to believe that the spiritual realm exists and has a physical reach into our lives. And so we struggle with the idea that there's this spiritual entity called Satan. We struggle with that. And that he is at work against the kingdom of heaven. But as we read through the Gospels, we see how there were so many occasions where Jesus came against the works of the devil. He healed the sick. He made the blind to see. He cast out demons. And then we see that also in the way that Jesus taught us to pray. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The Satan, which is really the proper way of saying it, has been working to build a kingdom for himself. And he's at work right now. And what he is building is in direct opposition to God's kingdom. But Jesus came, and he came to destroy the works of the evil one. You know, there are these forces at work in our world that seek to bring about unrest that seek to bring about confusion, conflict, violence, hurt, pain, brokenness. There are forces at work. But Jesus has come to destroy the works of those forces. He has come not only to restore those 
who are suffering because of the works of these forces, but he has also come to directly deal with those forces. Last one. He came to provide an example of a holy life. First Peter 2 verse 21 says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. I'll read the next three verses as well. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. In the, in the context of suffering for righteousness' sake, Peter tells us here in these few verses that Jesus has left us an example that we should follow. And so we are, in essence, to be holy as he is holy. And so even as we, it's so hard to avoid the fact that there is so much conflict in the world right now. And people wrestle even with just choosing peace. I'm always dumbfounded by that. You know, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is right there. We can choose peace. But somehow it seems a little too far for some to reach. But Jesus came into the world so that we could know peace. By following him and following in his example. I want to close there right now. I know load shedding starts at 8 as well. But we've considered a, a lot of information. Um, and as we work through that, as you think about that this week, what did Jesus come to do? What does that have to do with me? I think as we think about that, even now, there are some things that become clear as we think about that list of reasons as to why he came. You know, the answer to that question, why, what did Jesus come to do? While there are many facets and angles to that answer, you know what they all do? They all include you. And they all include me. The reasons that Jesus gives for his coming, they all include us. And while we aren't at the very center of the reason, we play a very important role in God's plan. And this actually requires a response from us. It requires a response from you, and it requires a response from me. It's, it's in the line of, of what we spoke about last week. It's not the kind of thing that you can ask someone else to decide for you. It's not the kind of thing that you can put off. 
the reality of the matter is that it requires a response from me, an engagement from me, a commitment from me. Over and over in Jesus' life, he shows that he was a man on a mission. He was someone who came with purpose, a purpose which he intentionally fulfilled. And even at a very young age, Jesus knew that he must be about his father's business. And so as I close, I want to leave that question with you tonight. Whose business are you about? Whose business are you about? What have you come to do today? I want to pray right now. But you know, I, I, I think, and Jordan, you want to do one more? I think as we wrestle with that question, what did he come to do? And we think about that and how that question involves me. I want, to, I want that question to stick to you, uh, stick with you at least. Whose business are you about? And what have you come here to do today? Maybe God has spoken to you this evening. Maybe as we were laughing and thinking about the reason that Jesus came, the Holy Spirit spoke to you this evening. Maybe God is calling you this evening to answer that question. Whose business are you on?